this is Kara Foster from First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ in Madisonville, Kentucky, and you're listening to our sermons podcast. And if you want to find out more information, you can connect with us at www.madisonvilledisciples.org or come in person at 1030 College Drive on Madisonville, Kentucky. Subscribe and enjoy these podcasts. Scripture today is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25, beginning in verse 14. And I invite you to read along with me if you have your Bibles beside you today. Jesus tells this story. He says, For it is as if a man going on a journey summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one to each according to his ability, and then he went away. The one who had received the five talents went off at once and traded with them and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had two talents made two more talents. But the one who had received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. And then the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I've made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things, and I will put you in charge of many things. Enter to the joy of your master. And the one with two talents came also forward, saying, Master, you handed over to me two talents. And I have two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And then the one who had received the one talent also came forward saying, Master, I knew you were harsh, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master replied, you wicked and lazy slave. You knew, did you, that I reap what I did not sow and gather what I do not scatter? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And on my return, you would have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one with ten talents. For to all those who have more will be given more, and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. As for this worthless slave, throw him into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Last Sunday, we read the story Jesus gave about ten bridesmaids waiting on the bridegroom to show up and how they had to wait and wait and wait. Five of them brought extra oil ready to wait. They expected to have to wait for the bridegroom to arrive, so their lamps were lit and ready when the groom arrived. And today we have this story about the master's talents. These stories come back to back in Matthew's gospel. All are part of Jesus trying to prepare his disciples for life 
without his physical presence. All stories that speak to the question of what are we to do after Jesus is gone? What are we to do in the in-between time while we wait? Of course, this entire teaching passage in Matthew 25 ends with Jesus telling them, whatever I have done to the least of these who are members of my family, it's as if you did to me. Jesus loved to tell stories. He told stories to teach his disciples. In a largely illiterate society, this was a great way to help people remember. Stories help you to remember and learn different things. Stories have different messages. Stories have a way of just staying with us. Think about this. You know, someone could say, who is my neighbor? And yet Jesus tells a story about a man who is robbed and beaten and left for dead on the side of the road. And the priest and the Levite, they keep on walking. But it is the Samaritan, the heathen, the outsider who stops to help. He could tell a story about the importance of a love that crosses no bounds. He could tell us that we shouldn't be hypocritical, that we should help others, and yet he just decided to tell a story about it. Jesus loved to tell stories. And that's one of the things I really love about scriptures. It's as if a man leaves on a journey. He entrusts his wealth, every bit of it, to his servants. One gets five talents, one gets two. One gets one. Now, a talent is this huge sum of money. We're talking Powerball lotto kind of money. One talent was equal to about 6,000 denarii. And a denarii, one denarii, is an average laborer's daily wage. So we're talking about 15 to 20 years worth of work. So do not feel bad for that servant who just got one denarii, one talent. This is an enormous amount of money that the master leaves into his hands. It's meant to be an enormous amount of money because Jesus is telling a story that is expected to be dramatic so that we get the meaning behind the story. These servants are entrusted with an enormous amount of money, but it's not theirs. It's not really theirs. They're just caring for it in the meantime. It belonged to the master. Now, when the master returns, the one who'd been given five talents and the one who'd been given two talents, they both show the master what they did with the money. They have decided to invest it. And mind you that the master left zero instructions on what to do with his money. He didn't tell them anything about what they should do with this money. But the ones with five and the ones with two decided to invest this money and they have doubled their money and they show the master that they have this money and the master gives them pats on the backs and lots of attaboys and job well done. And then there's the one with the one talent. He digs it up and he brings it to the master. He did nothing. He just dug a hole 
and hid it. That's all he did with that money. He was, he was afraid of disappointing the master. He was scared of angering him. He was probably scared of losing it or risking something. So he buried it in the ground. And the master is hugely disappointed, angry even. He even asked the servant why he did not choose to invest what was given to him, which is interesting because in the Torah, that was actually forbidden. In Exodus 22, verse 25, and Leviticus 25, 35 through 38, clearly forbid such things. But of course, Jesus is telling us a story that's meant to be over the top for a reason, because according to Jesus, this master is a risk taker. The master likes to take risks. He expects his servants to do the same. The other two are rewarded for the risks they took, for their efforts they made. But the third one, who hid his talent, who did nothing, well, now in case you begin to hear in this story a message of some sort of financial management advice, trust me, this is not the point. This is not a story that's just about money. We follow a savior who was an itinerant rabbi who had nothing and shared everything. And if you read those Old Testament scriptures that I referenced early, earlier, you will see God's concern for the poor and predatory lending and interest practices of the time that frankly still happens today. Jesus tells a story where the one who does nothing, the one who doesn't even try, disappoints the master, the servant who buries his talent in the ground. This guy is everyone who's ever felt that nudge to go and do and been too scared. He's every person who's ever been filled with regret at the chances they refuse to take in their life, to even try, afraid of failing, afraid of risking and losing, afraid of change, afraid to take this Jesus stuff too seriously for what it might mean in your own life. He digs a hole and he buries it in the ground. Better to hold on with all you've got than to risk anything. Fear, fear, we all know it too well, right? Fear is, might make us scream at spiders, it might make us afraid of the dark, it might keep us from doing something ridiculous like jumping out of planes. You people who have done that are just crazy to me. But according to Jesus, fear can also keep us from being the people God calls us to be. In fact, I have to tell you, as we have paused our in-person worship right now as a church, there is the voice of fear inside every minister's head who has been a part of these very decisions. That fear that says, your church will hurt because of this, that it won't be as meaningful, that people will forget or out of the practice or walk away from their faith. Fear, it's powerful. But I'm also mindful that we 
follow a Savior who teaches us, even right here in this story this morning, that when we let the voice of fear be our guide, that's when trouble comes. Because Jesus teaches us the way of self-offering and sacrifice. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. It is the way of self-offering and sacrifice every time. And I am convinced that right now, this is one of the ways we can do this through this pandemic. You know, I will never forget a family that I knew well who had two kids at the time in middle school when they decided to become foster parents. They uh, did all the classes, all the background checks, read all the books, and they were officially approved to be foster parents. And a social worker had called about a child, a little six-year-old boy, and they said yes to him coming. And he was set to come the very next day. And that night, um, the night before he would come, the mother was just, she could not sleep with all the what-ifs of what was about to happen in their life. And she was thinking too much, really. All the what-ifs of everything. And she just could not go to sleep and thought, what if we are about to make a huge mistake? And she told herself, you know, this was my idea. Uh, this was, uh, it was my idea. I'm the one that sweet-talked my husband into it. Uh, this, this really could be a huge mistake. And maybe if I get up early and I call the social worker in the morning, I can stop all this from happening and just tell her we need more time to think about it. And she woke up her husband in the middle of the night and she told him what she was thinking. And she just said, you know, what if this is a disaster? What if this really messes up our kids? What if we're not equipped to help him with what he needs? And her husband just said, yes, that all could happen. <laughs> but what if he is God's gift to our family? What if? The next morning, she didn't make any calls. And the four of them were standing in their front yard when a car pulled up in the driveway and a little boy with a duffel bag got out. And she told me years after that moment that she is forever grateful that her husband said that that night and that she didn't get up and call the social worker that morning. That's the thing about this Jesus stuff. The love and compassion and mercy and forgiveness, justice. There's risk involved. You might choose to love, but it doesn't still mean you won't get hurt. And you can pick up the phone and call someone and say, I'm sorry, but you don't know what they're going to say on the other end of the line. And you can feel this nudge, this feeling in your gut that says go and do, but you don't have to go. There's risk involved. And I know 
that we are living in the midst of some scary and fearful days. As a minister, I think I would be foolish to try to pretend it away, to try to tell you that you shouldn't be fearful sometimes. Because I do think fear has its place. So I suppose a better question to ask ourselves is what are we to do with the fear? Does it make us grow smaller or braver? Does it make us want to dig a hole in the ground and hide away or instead choose to do the opposite, to grow more fully into the person God is calling us to be? You know, there's this line from the Gospel of Luke that Jesus says that every single time I read it, it disturbs me. Every single time I've ever read it. And in Luke, Jesus says, from everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who's been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. And I picture everyone listening today at home with your coffee and pajamas on or riding along in your car right now listening to these words. But I hope you know, I hope you know in the fiber of your being that the master has entrusted into your hands this precious, valuable gift. The writer of 2 Corinthians calls it a treasure in clay jars, fragile, precious life. And none of us own it. None of it belongs to us. It all belongs to the master. We are only in charge for such a little while. So what will you do in the meantime? Amen.